0: Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Wave Makers. Today on Wavemakers, my guest is Laverne McKinnon. Laverne is a personal and leadership coach who served for many years as an executive with CBS and who is currently an executive producer on the Netflix show Girl Boss. I really enjoyed my conversation with Laverne, who talks to us not only about what it takes to become a wave maker. But how she has dealt with tidal waves that threaten to not only knock her overboard, but to wipe her out. Thank you for joining me for my conversation with Wavemaker Laverne McKinnon. Welcome to Wavemakers, Laverne.
1: Thanks so much, Steve. I'm really excited to be chatting with you.
0: You know the question I'm going to ask when you hear the word Wavemaker. What comes to mind?
1: Well, I have to say that I love your definition of wave maker in terms of making a positive difference, because when I initially heard wave maker, I was immediately taken back to my childhood where my father would always say to me, keep your head down. And so the idea of making an impact on someone, whether it's positive or negative, felt really scary to me. Uh, And so I think of it in terms of like someone shaking up the status quo, and and then I immediately become a a little kid and go, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Um, Keep my head down, keep my head down. And so I think that as I have grown and matured, that... I like to think about positive change and being a wave maker and small incremental steps as opposed to like being a bull in a china shop, which I think that there is so much value in being a bull in a china shop at times. But I like to be like the slow, steady tortoise.
0: What would make him say, keep your head down? Like, Where do you think that came from?
1: I think it came from my father was a child of the depression and his mother died when he was nine years old. His father was an alcoholic. Um, my, neither of my parents graduated from high school and my, my mom was Japanese and my parents met during the Korean War when my father was stationed in Osaka. So they both really came from very troubled, traumatic childhoods. And so I think that they learned to keep their head down as a survival mechanism uh, that worked very well for them. And so I think they that's what they taught me and my brother and my
0: sister as well, out of love. And yet you ended up going into a field where it's all about either <laughs> or making sure that your products are seen uh, and getting out there. So in the introduction, I mentioned that you are an executive producer on the Netflix show *Girl Boss* which I am enjoying very much. Sophia, the girl boss, is a young woman struggling to make an impact and dealing with all types of challenges. Um, she She is a person who's not keeping her head down, even though circumstances and barriers and maybe even her loved ones might like her to keep her head down. So I was wondering what motivated you to want to see this program on the air?
1: Well, first off, thank you so much for watching the show because it's the, the primary audience is really young women. So thank you for, you know, potentially going outside your comfort zone and watch this. And also thank you for picking up on the fact that this is a character who does not keep her head down, that she is a risk taker. The show is based on Sophia Amoroso's book, Girl Boss, and it's autobiographical. And when I read it, what I loved about it is that Sophia is so vulnerable. And she, in the book, calls herself on her own bullshit. And I really appreciated that. I felt like that was so um, bold and brave. And she really owns her needs and her weaknesses along with her strengths and her talents. And so when Kay Cannon, my producing partner, um, created the show and is the showrunner, we were really, really united in wanting to create a role model for other women to be able to show that we can have permission to as women to have all of our colors so going back to keeping my head down i was really taught that i needed to be compliant and happy (laughs) and uh you know and if i was angry confused upset lost immature unprofessional that that absolutely was not okay And as I've grown and matured, it's part of what I want to plant my flag about. And and Kay, my partner, she wrote the Pitch Perfect franchise. She directed the movie Blockers. She has a a new movie coming out that's a retelling of the Cinderella story, which has never been told from um, the female lens before. And so what we're so passionate and committed to is, again, giving permission for women to be of their colors and that's so that's really what drew me to wanting to tell that story
0: for millions of people the world of television really holds a powerful allure so can you tell us a little bit about how you became interested in this field and how you rose to the executive ranks in the television industry
1: i grew up loving storytelling When I was little, my sister taught me how to read at a very young age and I idolized her and I just, I read everything that she read. And then just, you know, the nature of how I grew up, I got to watch a lot of television. There weren't any restrictions in how much content I could watch. And so I was always drawn to stories. And at one point I thought I wanted to be an actor when I was in high school. And then I discovered that there were actually people behind the scenes, oh, there are writers, there are directors, there are producers. And being in front of the camera absolutely felt like, oh, that's not keeping your head down. But being behind the camera, I was like, I really discovered how I could thrive. And I think there are like four things probably that helped me succeed in the entertainment industry so far. And the first one is is just is luck. I just frequently was in the right place at the right time. And then secondly, I was able to follow up on that luck by knowing that I was lucky and working my ass off to maintain that opportunity and really to be able to make use of of those opportunities as much as possible and not being afraid to get down and dirty. So there was never any task that was and continues to be too small or too big. It's like, I, I will do it. And combining that with the fact of just like owning that there are so many things that I don't know. And I feel like my life in my career really shifted. And that's the third thing is that I was able to start to be okay with not being the smartest person in the room and not always having to try to prove myself and to be able to like really just listen. And then the fourth thing to come full circle in terms of being really lucky is that I have been really fortunate to have advocates in my professional career that have uh, really stood up for me and pointed at opportunities and helped me learn how to Call myself on my own, my own crap.
0: How does it feel to be a decision maker in that world in Hollywood, and to see programs that you've guided um, show up in your own living room on the screen?
1: Uh, I I love the questions that you ask. They're they're so um, they're like deeply thought provoking for me, and it's it's a mixture of feelings. The biggest one is. <laughs> a combination of fear and gratitude. When I work with writers and directors and actors and other producers, it feels sacred to me because of the level of trust that people have in me and the trust that I have to put in others. And so it becomes a deeply intimate experience because there you know, there are no guarantees, there are no certainties in life at all. And, and so the relationship and the opportunity to champion someone or champion or advocate for an idea, it, I don't want to screw it up and, and knowing how much someone trusts me to help guide them across the finish line, it it does feel sacred. And so to coach myself through it, I really try to focus on gratitude that I am being given this opportunity um, but if I'm honest with you which I really want to be it's it, it's scary it's scary
0: <laughs> It's scary because these are are people with stories and it's personal to them
1: yes yeah it's personal on so many levels because part of the creative development process is, we really dig for why do you want to tell the story? What's important to you about it? Where is this coming from? And so we dig and we dig and we dig. And then we also offer up parts of our own selves, the nooks and crannies and the things that feel shameful or embarrassing or humiliating. Um, We pour all of that in so that Every project, every character, it comes from a place of emotional authenticity that then will become relatable to audiences.
0: When you come across something that is real, you're drawn into it.
1: Kay and I, ultimately, we really want to champion, and we do champion, underdog and underserved stories, like the one from Sophia uh, as well, where it's like a a deeply flawed character. A woman? What? (laughs) It's like, you can't show that? And it's like, yes. That's what we want to show is that we are imperfect human beings.
0: Just to to shift focus a little bit, you have spoken in the past, and and this is one of the the other reasons why what I was drawn to you and your story is you've talked about being an executive in a very high profile field and having the influence over shows and, and people's lives, Right you've also been candid with the challenges that you experienced when your time at CBS was over. You've experienced some situations in, in life that can be considered tidal waves. And so I was just wondering if you would mind sharing a little bit about those tsunamis and maybe how you were able to overcome them.
1: I I feel like I'm I'm not Unique in the sense that, boy, oh boy, I've had so many tidal waves in my life. Being fired from CBS, I've been divorced, I've struggled in terms of starting a family. Yeah, just, you know, my mom died in 91, my dad died in 2006 at the same time that I was being fired from CBS. So that was a a double, uh, a double tsunami for sure. What helped me through it was, well, I've been in and out of therapy my entire adult life, and and I'm a big believer in therapy and, and how helpful and healing it can be. When I was fired from CBS, therapy wasn't helping me, and I wound up working with a coach for the first time. And what she did for me in a way that was unique from therapy was I really had to go deeply inward and grow up. Maturity is not about age. Maturity is about taking responsibility for one's actions and one's words. And I think for a large portion of my adult life that I played the victim and that I looked externally of, oh, I'm being wronged. Oh, I'm being treated differently, et cetera, et cetera. And while there may be truth to that, there was no space for me to own How am I responsible? What am I doing or not doing that is allowing me to really be um, blindsided by these tidal waves? Tidal waves, it's like they're natural, it's like a part of nature, you know, ups and downs. But I got slammed by tidal waves because I was so ill prepared. I had no skill and no tools to deal with when the rug got pulled out from underneath me. And so I, through coaching, learned life skills. In a way that I'd never been exposed to before. So I learned how to identify my values. I learned to figure out why am I here? What's my purpose in life? What are my gifts and talents? And how am I returning them to the world as opposed to saying, what are you giving me? It's like, what's the world giving to me? No, it's like my our, our job as part of humanity is to return our gifts to the universe. And once I started to get coaching around that, I was able to heal and stop being a victim and take ownership and responsibility for
0: my role on earth. You didn't just use the learning for yourself. You became a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so did that happen like right away?
1: It took a little while. I, uh, I'm a lifelong learner. And so I'm always taking classes, reading books, doing workshops. And my first coach, her name was Mona Miller. She tragically died eight months into our work together in a car accident. And this is a bit like a Hallmark movie, but her last voicemail to me was, you know, more than you think you do. And I held on to that like a lifeline because we were in the midst of our work together. Mm -hmm. And it was after that that I decided to go into coach training because I wanted to understand more about how she was working with me. And I didn't really have the intent to become a coach. But as I was going through the program, it's the Coactive Training Institute. I was like, Oh my God, everything like lit up in my body. Like I felt different going through this training. And I was like, Oh my God, I really want to do this. And so I completed the training. I completed the certification and Steve, this is where it just becomes a little bit hokey, but I wound up applying everything that I was learning as a coach to my work in the entertainment industry. So the way that I was sort of brought up in terms of corporate culture, which is primarily a fear-based culture, is that you know, it's like to identify problems and then solve them so that I could be the hero. And what I learned as a coach is that people are creative, resourceful and whole, and that my job as a coach, my job as a producer is to help people access their own inner wisdom, that nothing is actually broken, nothing needs to be fixed. we just need to course correct so that we're in alignment with our purpose and values, and then we can find fulfillment. And so I started applying what I learned as a coach to my professional life as a producer, to my life as a professor, and also as a parent. (laughs) So, and things started to transform.
0: That really leads into the next question, which is, uh, can you tell us a a bit about how you help people interested in your field, such as your work with students at Northwestern and Cal State and your work as a leadership and personal coach. I'm most interested in the students because as a person who now currently works with young people from foster care, trying to get ahead, it's disheartening to see how little inner work is done with our students before they get to college.
1: The commonality in everything that I do as a professor is we do work on values and values identification and also life purpose. And that's just like the core of it. So students are taking a class on pitching and persuasion, or students are taking a class on the business of the entertainment industry. And it's like, why are we learning about our values? And it's very confusing. And it all comes full circle because when we are out of alignment with our values, out of alignment with our purpose, um, several things happen. One is we feel grumpy. We, we can feel it physically and emotionally and spiritually and intellectually. And so we're not showing up as the best versions of ourselves. And when we're not showing up as the best versions of ourselves, then opportunities dwindle. And then when opportunities dwindle, it becomes like the spiral of like, well, why aren't I succeeding? Why aren't I getting, you know, a shot? Why aren't I at bat? And it's because you're out of alignment. And so, you know, it's like we have got to go inward in order to go outward. And, uh, and there are other skills that we we really work on as well, like listening, learning, like there are different levels of listening and learning how to listen to oneself as well as listen to others. And so that's like a big through line. That serves as the foundation, and then we can get into other, um, you know, into the craft of storytelling. We can get into the craft of, you know, how to put a portfolio together. We can get into the craft of how to pitch uh, a, a project. And so it's yeah, it's it's really fun because I love watching the the confusion and then leading to the aha moments of like oh now I get it now I get it. And and I'm so passionate about this material. You can probably hear it in my voice because I really do believe that the world would be such a better place if we were focused on fulfillment versus happiness.
0: Happiness, that's too fleeting.
1: Exactly, yes, it's all fleeting.
0: You're talking about helping these students to dig deep. Yes. You may have, maybe you have some students who are like, thanks for helping me with my values. I don't wanna do this anymore, actually.
1: It does happen because when people are feeling grumpy, it's typically because one is living someone else's values. So I spent, again, like like a big portion of my life living my father's values, keeping my head down, not making waves because I was afraid that I was going to get in trouble. And, and so I had to do a lot of inner work to say that was a strategy for my father to succeed and to you know thrive and to survive his childhood that's I don't have the same circumstances. I'm not a child of the depression. I'm incredibly fortunate. Um, and so I have to figure out what's important to me. We are here to make a positive impact on the world and are running from or denying that there are tidal waves and lives are really creating a situation we, where we live very small lives. And that's not what we're meant to be. We're meant to live big, fulfilling lives. And I love what you're making a stand for in terms of how are you viewing yourself as a wave maker and what are the tidal waves that have come through in in your life?
0: I appreciate you saying that. I just would love to ask you, what's next? What's next for you as maybe we come out of, you know, COVID uh, as you're looking for toward your future?
1: Well, I'm going to answer this in a little bit of a sideways way. I like to name the year. So when I was looking at uh, a year ago, when I was looking at 2020, I thought it's going to be the year of expansiveness for me, expansiveness in the sense of not to live my life from a place of scarcity, which sort of goes hand in hand with keeping my head down and not making waves was I've always been afraid of there's not going to be enough. So I need to do more. I need to um, hoard, you know, all of that. And I was like, I'm going to let go of that. And, you know, over the last several months, I've like learned, I think, along with a lot of other people, it's going to be okay. There's enough for everybody. And so I started to move very consciously into a place of gratitude. And what I've been able to access even more through gratitude is Joy. So what's next for me is 2021 is my year of joy that really stems from an acknowledgement and an appreciation for who I am, the work I've done, the opportunities that are constantly being you know, put in front of me and gratitude for the people that I get to meet and to work with and to commune with. It just brings me so much joy.
0: Slowing things down and having joy and gratitude. Honestly, we could have a whole nother show just on those three topics alone. Yeah.
1: And- Steve, thank you so much for um, for this opportunity. I've, I've really enjoyed our conversations and I'm holding the questions that you've asked um, close to my heart to revisit because uh, I think that they're really wonderful questions that um, are worthy of, of revisiting. And, and, I, and I love the way that you helped me really think about being a wave maker and, you know, and how I want to walk through life in terms of making a positive change and sort of, you know, like facing my own fears and limitations. Uh, So it's, uh, it's been a rich opportunity. I I thank you.
0: Well, thank you. It's really been great talking to you.
1: Well, have a wonderful rest of your day. And I I look forward to when it all comes together and, you know, promoting and supporting in any way that I can.
0: I deeply appreciate that.
1: (laughs) All right. Bye.
0: And that's another episode of Wavemaker, out to sea. To find out more about Laverne McKinnon, just go to her website, lavernemckinnon.com. That's L-A-V-E-R-N-E-M-C-K-I-N-N-O-N.com. Join us next time, and remember, keep making waves.